thanks for joining us in this experiment of a new way to worship together. Our lives these days are full of new and different ways that we're doing things, like this, my mask. It's a relatively new thing, less than six months I've been wearing it, but now it's just a regular part of my day. If I'm going anywhere where there's gonna be people gathered or indoor spaces where we're together, I'm, I'm wearing my mask. I hope you are too. And I don't wear it to protect myself so much as I wear it to protect other people so that I don't spread this virus. I wanna say a thanks to Spencer Scarborough, a church member who provided this mask for me along with some others back when this pandemic first started. It's come in handy so many times, not just being in public spaces or in gatherings, but I've worn the mask when I've gone to visit with church members who were in hospice care or met with families to plan memorial services. But you know, as much of a good purpose as this mask serves and as necessary as they are right now, and I hope that you're wearing yours when it's needed, man, they're they're kind of a bother sometimes. I don't know if you're experiencing that too, but my face gets itchy if I've had it on for a while or sweaty, I, you know, I've got facial hair and I don't know if you can see it, but my glasses are fogging up right now because of the way my breath comes up out of the mask. And it covers my face, like it, it covers my mouth and this part of my face and we've realized, right, how much we express to each other with our faces and nobody can see if I'm smiling or not. We always have to guess what the other person is feeling. And we do our best to smile, right? To smile with our eyes, but then we have to always adjust it and fix it. This mask has become so much a part of our identity these days. I don't know about you, I've seen the personalized ones where you can get the mask that has the bottom half of your face printed on it. So you can put a smile there and it sort of looks like you. My son got a personalized mask that has sushi on it, pieces of sushi all over the mask because he loves the sushi. And I mean, I can't even unlock my phone with the facial recognition with this mask on. I know that is such a first world problem, but but these masks have become so much a part of our identity today. And while it's critically important that we wear them, it's certainly a challenge at times. And man, doesn't it feel good when you get home or you get in the car and you can do that. Take the mask off and be free from it. It makes me think about the people who have had to wear them and have to wear them all day, every day, who continue to work and serve our communities, the food services industry, or the grocery stores, uh, hospitals, the doctor's offices, all of those essential services, where people have to wear them all day long, every day. It makes me wonder how we can complain about having to pop them on to run in a store or something when, uh, when we've got folks who are having to wear them all day, every day. So they must even more feel that 
release that exhale that freedom from taking that mask off like you and I do when we get in the car or get home from a trip out and you know that also makes me think about the other masks that we wear sometimes not just the physical ones but the spiritual ones the masks that we wear that cover over who we are that mask our identity that that cover over who we were created to be by God. There's a place in the New Testament where Jesus speaks to that, to that practice of covering over and being set free from it. And, And that's our scripture for this morning. I want to read for us from the Gospel of John. I'm going to read chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And I invite you to hear the word of God for us about being set free from those masks that we wear. And after I read the scripture, would you respond? Join me in responding to God's word. I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. So hear now God's word for us today. John 8, 31 through 36. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they responded, We are Abraham's children. We've never been anyone's slaves. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus answered, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave isn't a permanent member of the household, but a son is. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you really will be free. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus takes up with these first disciples, these Jewish disciples of his, A question that not only was striking at the heart of what they knew and understood and believed back then, but but it's still a question we wrestle with today and is every bit as prevalent as it was then. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And Jesus' answer was, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, then keep my teachings. Not, if you're going to be my disciple, be sure and be a member of church, or even go to church, or say a prayer so that maybe then one day you'll go to heaven when you die. But rather, Jesus said to them and says to us, If you're following me, if you want to follow me, if you want to be Christian, a Christ one, then keep my teachings. I think probably the sweetest example of keeping someone's teachings that I've seen lately would have to be the kids of a friend of mine, Kristen. She has two kids, Ruthie and Harrison. Ruthie's in the second grade. Harrison's just starting kindergarten And uh, he's got the same teacher that his sister Ruthie had when she was in kindergarten. 
And I got to be with them as they did a drive through hello with their kindergarten teachers recently. And as we drove by their teacher, she did a cheer for them. It was the bodybuilder cheer, she said. And she reached down, touched her toes, and then up to her knees, and then up over her head like she was lifting a barbell. And she said, go Harrison. And then later, Harrison and Ruthie Jean were reenacting that cheer, and they said there were several more that this teacher does for her students on a regular basis. Uh, she does the snake cheer where she Harrison's favorite one was the firework cheer. She'd go, yay. They were so excited about these cheers that their teacher does for them to, to cheer them on, to encourage them to continue to grow and get better, to grow into who they were made to be. But they were so excited about these cheers that it went beyond just receiving them from their teacher. They want to join in. They want to do the cheer with their teacher. And then taking it a step beyond that, they want to show the cheers to other people. They were so excited to be able to show me every cheer that this teacher had done to encourage them and to cheer them on. And that sounds to me like the words of Jesus to his disciples when he said, if you're going to follow me, Keep my teachings. Live out my teachings in the world. Receive them. Join in with them. Participate in them and share them with the people around you. And he said, if you'll do that, then you'll know truth. And the truth will set you free. Like that feeling of getting home after having worn the mask for a long time and taking the mask off your face. It feels so freeing, doesn't it? Jesus said, living out his teachings, keeping his teachings will be the way to know truth and to be free, to be set free. Oh man, and that freedom feels so good, especially right now from having to wear the mask. I'm reminded of a baptism I did uh, this summer it was during the pandemic, and um, we did it at the home of the family of the two children that were being baptized. And so the family was gathered there. We did it out in the backyard, and we all had our masks on, and the family was sort of spread out in the yard and on the deck. And they even had friends and family and people from their church that were joining in via Zoom or FaceTime. And so we were able, as a community of faith, to baptize these kids. And we were out there for, I don't know, maybe an hour. By the time I said goodbyes and got in my car and took that mask off my face, oh my goodness, I felt like a new person. I don't want to get into too much detail with you, but having that mask on this hairy, sweaty face for an hour in the midday heat during the summer in Georgia, I was a situation. <laughs> but it felt so good to take the mask off. I felt so free. And this is Jesus's message to his followers. His living and his teachings will set us free.
do you catch the response that he gets from those folks that were with him? It wasn't exactly a, oh, yay, amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. No, their answer was more like, wait a minute, Jesus, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that you are going to set us free? And I can't help but hear maybe a modern day version of that would sound something like, well, wait a minute, Jesus. I've grown up in the church. I've been a Christian my whole life. My grandparents were raised in this church. This is my family church. What do you mean I need to be set free? We're not slaves to anything or anyone. We've got this Christianity thing figured out. Which I thought it was ironic that these Jewish followers of Jesus would say, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. We don't need to be set free. Surely they know their history as well as I do and better that, that of course they were slaves. There was a time in the history of their people where they were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them and set them free. And I think, well, maybe they don't mean it physically. And they say, we've never been slaves to anyone. We're Abraham's descendants. Maybe they didn't mean physically been slaves. Maybe they meant spiritually. We've always worshipped God, the one true God. We are Abraham's descendants, God's people. We've never given ourselves over to anything or anyone else spiritually to worship and serve. Which, again, a modern spin on that would be something like, we've got this figured out. We're, we're doing church and faith and Christianity just the way it should. We, we, we never get sidetracked or distracted. We, we don't ever miss or cover over something in our lives that doesn't belong personally or corporately. We don't need to be set free. Then Jesus says to them, reminds them in love that anyone who has sin is a slave, a servant to that sin. But that he is here to set us free. That a slave, a, a servant, isn't even a permanent member of the household, doesn't even belong, doesn't have status in that home doesn't have the rights and privileges afforded to a child in that home, but just comes and goes. And I think if we could understand sin not as something we've done wrong, but as something that doesn't belong in our lives and our faith and our relationship with God and each other, then maybe we could open up to a fuller understanding of what Jesus means when he says, anyone who has sin is a slave to sin. Anyone who has in their lives and makes room and maintains in their lives anything that doesn't belong, that gets in the way of our relationship with God and with each other, is a slave to that sin, bound to it, in need of freedom, of being set free. 
then maybe we're able to think about and reflect and name things like pride, greed, fear, hatred, injustice. Maybe we're able then to have a repentant heart and spirit. Even if it's something that we've been living with, that's been a part of our identity for a long, long time. Just like those masks that we wear. Now, sometimes when I've had the mask on for a while, I forget that I've even got it on. And so I just keep on going, keep on doing what I'm doing. Not even remembering that I've got this mask covering my face, my identity. Is it possible, church, that there are things in our own lives and in our corporate life together that have been so much a part of what we have done for so long that we forget that they're even there and don't even know the sin that is covering over who we were created to be in Jesus Christ? Oh, church, is it possible as Jesus invokes the language of slavery and naming that slaves don't even have a permanent place in the household? Is it possible that the mask that's being removed from our identity now is the mask of racial prejudice and injustice, the mask of slavery that has been a part of the legacy of this country for so long? Then maybe now, that mask is being removed from our faces so that we, all of us, can be free to be who God created us to be. Is it possible that this is something that God is doing right now in the midst of all that we are living through? Is That mask is being removed from our faces so that we, all of us, can breathe, can be free, can have our full identity as children of God as we were created to be. Church, is it possible that now is the time that even these things that we've held on to that have been a part of our identity for so long that even maybe right now God is identifying them, bringing them to our awareness. Now is an opportunity, a moment, for us to remove those masks, to be set free. To be set free from our pride, from our greed, from our assumption that we've always been doing it the way it's supposed to be done, that we've got it figured out. Oh, would we be willing, even in those places, to know deep repentance, vulnerable honesty before God. So that in the words of Jesus, the Son can set us free. And Jesus said, those whom the Son sets free are really free. Oh, church, 
would we be free in a fresh and new way even today. In just a moment, we're going to share in a freedom meal, communion. This meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night that he was arrested and ultimately crucified. And it is for us in so many ways a freedom meal because it embodies, it represents for us the freedom that we've been given by God in Jesus Christ. So I hope you've got your elements. We ask you to get some juice or water, some bread, something that you could have handy to be your communion elements for today. And I want to encourage you, if you want to take a second and just snap a picture of them, maybe you've got them sitting somewhere and you've created a little altar for yourself, and it's something that you could share uh, with your church online. You can tag the church or, you know, let us know. You can send them, email them to us so that, so that we can see how we're all sharing in this meal, this communion meal together. But if you've got your elements with you, I'd just like to invite us to the Lord's table that we could share in this meal of freedom. And we come to this table on invitation, God's invitation to you and to me, to all of us. Jesus invites everyone to his table, invites us to come with repentant spirits, humble hearts, seeking him. Invites us to come with a posture of confession that we would admit, that we would name before God that we have not been the church to the fullest of who God created us to be, even today. That we are in need of God's forgiveness and mercy. And that we would hear from God in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And then we come to this table thankful, thankful for God's mercy, thankful for the good gifts from God that we experience and receive each and every day, thankful for the freedom we have in Christ that any and every mask that we wear, have worn, that we put on, take off, put back on, that covers over our identity of who we are as children of God, that we've been set free from that by Jesus. So we come to this table thankful. Oh God, thank you. So I want to ask you, with your elements there before you and these here before us, if you would join me in a word of prayer, and we'll pray a blessing over our communion elements together. Oh God, thank you for these gifts of bread and wine that are for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We ask your blessing on them so that as we receive them, we would be the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by his blood. 
Oh God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, on the night that Jesus shared that meal with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. And every time you do, remember me. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks for it and blessed it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many, for everyone everywhere, for the forgiveness of sin that you can be free. Take it and drink it. And every time you do, remember me. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to share in the communion meal right where you are. And we'll all be doing it together as a church. And then we'll sing one more hymn and then we'll send you into a breakout room as a part of the dismissal. And when you go into that breakout room, I want to ask you if everybody in the room would just say to one another, Jesus has set you free. Be free. Would you be willing to say that to each other as a, as a blessing that we can give one another as we conclude worship today? Jesus has set you free. Be free. So I want to invite you now to share in communion as we sing from the Cokesbury Hymnal, verses 1 and 3 of The Church in the Wild.